Welcome to the Roleplay Rescue Game Master's Journal. My name is Che Webster, and I'll be taking you behind the scenes of my own roleplay journey, day by day, week by week. Each journal episode features my audio notes recorded here and there over the days between my regular gaming sessions. Assembled into a rough edit, these notes form a journal and let you take a peek behind the GM screen. But be warned, there are spoilers aplenty for anyone who plays at any of my gaming sessions. GM's journal has become a popular bonus episode. I aim to release each journal after the sessions I am preparing for are over, offering listeners insight into my own creative process. It's a pretty candid and messy snapshot of my inner life as a gamer, so you have been warned. Game on! This is episode 10. Hey Che, uh, the TPK, what can I say? Uh, don't worry, this isn't all going to rhyme. Um, well, a uh, tough gig and uh, quite a tough listen, um, but in a good way. Um, and good on you for putting it out there. Uh, I really felt for you. Um, but seeing the title of the next episode pop up, The Revelation, uh, that was just a pure joy. Um, listening to you recognise it as a learning experience was great. Um, and to top it off with a celebrate read breakfast, well, lovely stuff. Welcome back, rescuers. The mysterious free thrall there with a lovely message. Thank you for calling in, dude. It's really good to hear from you, and I did enjoy it. It was a, a lovely little message. Thank you. Um, you are something of a mystery, Mr. Keep Off the Borderlands, Mr. Free Thrall. Um, but hey, thank you so much for calling in. It's great to have your messages. And actually, thanks for your encouragement because it's been a tough few weeks for me, as you're going to find out in this episode. And um, I think, yeah, I really need the calls. So thank you, dude, for calling in. I'm wittering now. I'll go away. Hey, Chase, Spike Pit. I see you picked up that um, starter set for 5e. I think it's um, a nice little package. Hopefully you won't be disappointed and I'll be really interested to see what you do with it and, and what you make of it all. I know you're familiar with the basic rules already, but uh, the starter set rule book's a nice little table reference, I always think. And um, yeah, it's a shame they they haven't done a little bit more with it. But I guess bringing out the Stranger Things box set is going to use the same set of rules, so I might have a little look at that, but I don't think it looks as good, if I'm honest, as the original starter set. Anyway, good to um, hear you on your your journal again, and uh, you covered a lot of ground, man, and I wish you all the best. Hey, Che, this is James Richards. Uh, I just wanted to call and let you know I appreciate the podcast, and uh, I think you're uh, really insightful and uh, thoughtful and self-reflective but uh, give yourself a break also uh, I think it's important for GMs to and us as human beings to get out of our comfort zones I know that we all carry certain um, baggage from our past but uh, I think uh, you know maybe try to 
take two sessions and concentrate on your own role playing. I think that would be uh, healthy and for yourself and cathartic in a lot of ways. Just go for it, man. Thanks, Colin and James, for those call-ins. Really good to hear from you both. For people who don't follow me on MeWe, Colin's referring to the fact that I went out and bought myself a third copy of the uh, starter set for D&D. And he's been, on his own podcast, um, Spike Pit, he's been encouraging people to sort of revisit 5e and having a very extensive discussion about what's wrong with it. That's actually inspired an entire episode. So look forward, Colin, because next week's episode, episode two of this season, that's going to be on 5e. And my thoughts on it, really. And largely, that's down to you. So thanks for calling in. James, great to hear from you. Thank you for your encouragement. Uh, James was referring to the bit in previous episode where I was talking about my difficulty, I think, is what he's referring to, my difficulty with... Uh, play acting the characters what a lot of people call role playing um, the idea that you would just kind of put on the voices and maybe get into character in first person a little bit more it's something I confess to finding difficult especially when it's a conflict scene uh, because I don't like having conflict conversations with my players um, and I yeah I need to get over it it is something that kind of I, I, I wrestle through I struggle through but which never seems to sit comfortably with me. And I guess, in the end, practice will make perfect. So thanks for your encouragement there, James. Really good to hear from you. Right, I'll stop witchering and let's get on with the episode. So this afternoon I've been working on the new campaign world, really. What I've done is I've grabbed some materials from around my, my Dropbox, really. I'm reminded of some words from Arfed who commented when I shared one of my old past campaign maps on um, on Patreon, he commented like, why can't you reuse these maps? And to be honest, I'm not reusing those maps, but about a year ago, I worked on a new campaign world and I had a great fun hand drawing out some sort of large scale hex maps across about eight sheets of paper. And I collected all those together and they formed a large map. And I was using some of the materials to sort of start to build a new campaign and I even shared a few of those things on my blog. Um, but the whole idea kind of died out. It was originally going to be a, a sort of a, a bit of a solo game, I suppose. But what I did today is I found that old map and also found some of the notes that went with it. And with a few tweaks here and there, I have used that as a basis for my new campaign world. I've been taking some advice from... Um, Alexander Macri's book and yeah basically been writing kind of initial background and initial kind of top level high concept for the world and I'm about to lunge really next into the detail of the sort of starting realm for the players so I've probably spent a couple of hours on it today and it's been good it's been fun it's been quite nice to do um and I've been sort of really pulling on various resources from around my many failed campaigns, which is kind of cool. So yeah, it's 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 off to a good start, I guess. The main thing is I'm trying to like enjoy my holiday, so I'm trying not to spend my entire day working on it because that really tires me out. And I've you know had a quiet morning, and then after lunch, kind of sat down for a couple of hours and did a bit of writing, and that was great. So I'm going to park it for today, and you know when I come back to it, it will be to dive into the next layer of um, campaign prep 
which is to start to build the initial realm within which player characters can be kind of created and go play. This morning was kind of good. I, I got up early, then went to work, and then I, um, I sat down and just typed up the player's guide, I guess is what it is, a kind of player's introduction to the new setting. I've kind of tentatively called it White Grave after the city. That's uh, kind of part of the main kingdom where the, the players will start. White Graves is a, a name of a, a sort of fantasy place that I've been toying with since about 2006, so that's nothing new, but the setting is very different. I've also, as I think I mentioned yesterday, grabbed the map that I created last year and kind of repurposed it for this. So anyway, long and short is there's this about an 11-page document that is like the player's introduction to the setting, and I've PDF'd that and I've put it out there. And uh, I guess that means that people can have a look at it, you know, and the players hopefully can start thinking about their own characters. The next step for me is to work on the Gazette, uh, the Gazetteer. Um, this is really, again, an idea coming from um, Arbiter of Worlds. And I really like it. It's the, the step is to basically now create the actual smaller realm hex map which i'm then going to populate with lots and lots of places and lots and lots of people um and then from there we're into gaming so i'm hoping um although i've got like a big parental visit coming up over this weekend and next week my wife and i are off on it's my birthday and everything even so i'm hoping that somewhere through that period i'll find the time to get the gazetteer sorted out and really be ready for play by the time the guys get back to the table in about three weeks time so, you know, things are looking good. Um, whew, I'm just a bit tired, I think. Uh, it's uh, been a kind of, um, I don't know, just uh, quite a headspace required in creating, let's put it that way. So, yeah, that's how it's good. Anyway, just a quick update, and I'll catch you soon. Hey, Friday morning. It's about, I don't know, 6am. Deborah's just gone to work. Um, main thing I need to be doing today i got to clean out the rats in a minute, which is always fun. Um, had a few random thoughts over breakfast this morning. I've been thinking a lot about bringing Hargravian stuff, you know, David Hargrave's stuff from the Arduin Grimoires, some of the bits and pieces into my world, and um, some high kind of level, high concept stuff I need to sort of get my head around. Um, basically, there are quite a few races from his uh, work that I want to bring in. And one of the big ones in my mind is what David Hargrave called the Freint, which is kind of like a uh, um, kind of like a mantis, you know, a kind of upright mantis. And one of the cool things is, um, in my mind, uh, I've turned them into a race called the Cricks who I have used a little bit in the past. I kind of did some work on them for um, 5e um, a while ago, probably about five years ago. And I did use them very briefly in the original Whitegrave campaign when Whitegrave was an analogue of London. And, um, you know, they were part of that. Um, one of the cool things I did back then is I'd brought in, it's the one and only time I've ever done this, that they had, they had kind of like blasters laser blaster things which is kind of cool anyway um, i want to take the cricks and i want to put them into this new world and i was thinking about like the north will the wilderness the the um 
forested, coniferous, wilderness, uh, foresty thing to the north of uh, the Kingdom of Whitegrave. Uh, in my background, the rumours are that the forest is really dangerous and dark and nasty and populated with <clears throat> kind of towers and ruled over by a series of vampiric creatures or vampires. And that might be true. <laughs> uh, one of the random thoughts I had was, what if those towers were actually Crick's um, spires? So in my mind, the Crick's burrow underground and they build these kind of like very tall and beautiful um, structures from the ground up, which is kind of like perhaps reinforced with um, some kind of uh, secreted uh, resin type stuff to protect it and armor it. I don't know. Uh, that's what kind of the way it's been in my mind. And I wondered if it might be interesting to actually have the woods uh, populated by a series of these um, hives, Crick's hives, um, which I think would be kind of cool. Uh, so that was my random thought for today, really. Sort of um, vampires, yeah, kind of okay. Um, and originally in my mind, you know, I'd, I'd kind of like, I think I'd randomly rolled up quite a few of the territories around to try and spur some ideas. And this is kind of like the Transylvanian um, thing going on there. Uh, but I've never, mass I've, well, God be honest, I'm probably a complete heretic, but I've never been a massive fan of that. You know, Ravenloft didn't really do a lot for me. Um, and even though I, I did buy the recent you know, reissue of that 5e, I'm just not really interested, to be honest. I don't like that kind of fantasy, I suppose. I think I'm much more kind of ancient period and dark age period, really. But anyway, so that was a thought. Um, are the towers in the forests, are they really crick spires? Mm. so something to mill on second thought I had um, was about the ley lines and I'm going to happy to admit that my big influence here is obviously rifts um, the idea that the ley lines what part of the destruction of this world was that the ley lines kind of burst into life and um, I've always loved that idea from rifts of like you know uh, absolutely about 100 foot tall you know glowing blue ley lines Um and also the point, the idea from Rifts is that, um, you know, where ley lines cross, you get a nexus point and that's a place of power. And I really wanted to bring that into my game, um, not in quite the same way, not necessarily to open Rifts to other dimensions, although it could be a possibility, I suppose. But I actually just want, I like, I've always liked the idea of ley lines. So if you like, uh, whilst my inspiration is from Rifts, I know very much that ley lines are not a thing that, you know, Kevin Sambiada, um, you know, kind of made up himself. <laughs> you know, everything, I suppose, is derivative. Um, but I like the idea of the kind of magic, really strong, powerful magic. And I like the idea of these kind of walls of light uh, rising from the ground, you know, and crisscrossing the world. So one of the things I definitely need to do is go and add ley lines to my map. Um, world map and you know build the nexuses on next eye mm. <laughs> I wish I knew enough Latin to know which way around that was the third little idea that I'd had today as well is just uh, related to that um, in my background there is this um, sort of plateau upon which there are uh, a series of gates 
two other dimensions, which is where the humans, um, the Drax, who are my dwarves, and the Nihi, the elves, where they came into this world. They are themselves, the ancient history, the forgotten history is that they are themselves um, all refugees from other worlds. And I like the idea that actually many of the species on this world are refugees originally. And they kind of spread out and they've, they've conquered. And I need to place that on my map. And I have a rough idea where that's going to be. Um, and one of the thoughts was that actually this would be perhaps the biggest convergence of the ley lines would be at this point, which is kind of how it's powered. Uh, so that was an idea and thought as well. And because I love pentagrams, because I love five-sided things, um, I was thinking that maybe there would be five portals there and that perhaps it is the nexus of five ley lines. Um, it would be really cool if each of those ley lines came in and the portal was across, straddling the line and the centre of the whole thing of the nexus. That would be a really cool idea. So I'm going to see if I can build that into my world and make that work. Um, because, yeah, that would be really, really cool. Um, at least it would in my head. The final thing I've been thinking about, I like threes, but actually I had a fourth thought, is I need the question of how... Yeah, how I bring the Fire Citadel of Dragon Kings into this world. And, of course, the big part of my mind was, well, did I want to do that in the first place? But I really do want to build this huge mega dungeon... One of the things I realised from the collapse of the game is uh, the last game is that the Fire Citadel in many ways is quite a high level thing um, for, in my mind. Although I originally conceived it to start at low level and work up, I think that you are talking, even if the low level, I don't think it's going to be first level. I think maybe about third or something like that would be a good entry point. And yeah, I kind of want to port the, the thing over. And the great thing is, of course, I can port the Isle of Fire over as a concept anyway, quite easily. I think that it's quite likely I will redo my maps and stuff um, and resort that out. But yeah, um, that's that's um, something I, I think I feel like I want to do, bring the fire, the fire Citadel across and work on that. And of course, with that comes the question of the moon gates because they are also something which is part, very much part of that setting. Um, and... I've always loved the the idea of moon gates. It, originally, actually, in my mind, it comes from um, Britannia. It comes from, if anyone remembers, the Ultima series of computer games back in the 80s, uh, Lord British and all that stuff, which, of course, is now re-alive again with Britannia having a new online game. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's where that idea comes from this idea that there are gates and they are uh, in that they're originally controlled by the phases of the moon, hence moon gate. And I think I'd like to return the moon gates to that original idea um, and change them a little bit. But yeah, they, they also need to come into my world and it's something that I want to do. I love portals and gates. Um, I love dragons and draconic things. Um, I love the idea of strong magic, uh, but untamed magic and uh, ley lines and other such mystic and mysterious things so yeah all of a load of warblings this morning but basically a whole load of ideas that I want to bring into my setting um, so I hope that that sounds cool as well to you and of course I really hope that none of my players are listening to this 
So Friday morning, i uh, got a couple of hours spare, I think, before maybe the folks get here, which is kind of nice. I just sat down to have a look at building the hex map for the new game. And I just kind of asked the guys, actually. I just put a message on the, um, in, a, in my Webster's Hobby room on uh, MeWe and kind of asked them, do they want the hex map to be player-facing? What I mean is that in the last game on the Isle of Fires was... Um, they never saw the hex map. They kind of mapped, like I described, they mapped on plain paper. Or at least Pete mapped on plain paper. Um, but I kind of don't know. I, I did that because that's the preference that I kind of developed from reading the Alexandrians, uh, the hex crawl. Although, then again, I completely didn't use any of his material, really. Um, but kind of left thinking, well, is that the right thing to do? Would it be easier for the players if they map on a hex? I don't know. So anyway, I decided to ask them, and uh, now I'm going to get on with building a map. Hey, Monday morning, up early, feeling a massive dose of imposter syndrome today. Had my folks visiting over the weekend, which was kind of fun, and um, now I'm sort of on holiday properly. <laughs> my wife's off as well, so she's in bed, having a lay-in, I guess why I'm talking a little bit more quietly. Good news was Saturday I got my Ardouin Grimoires, um, my original copies of those, which came from Germany. The first three um, volumes of that in the original. I think they're a later printing, but in the original kind of format. Um, they're little digest-sized um, booklets um, somewhere in the region of... 70-odd page, 76 pages, something like that. Um, got them here. And I started reading Ardune, uh Grimoire, the first volume, and, um, you know, it's great. It really made me smile. Lots of surprising things in there, really. Despite the fact that I have the kind of three books as a big tome that's reorganised, it's really good to read them in their original form and, like, despite tiny print... <laughs> Um, in the original order as well, because, you know, the, the way it was kind of put together, it's a mishmash of stuff, really. Um, far less organised, if you like, than I thought in some ways, but really good. And I've been really making me smile and really making me think about the campaign that I'm building, which is a real good thing. But I guess the downside is that I'm feeling imposter syndrome today. Roleplay Rescue's lot of season two came to an end on Saturday. And I had a couple of negative comments on Twitter and various bits and bobs and trying to ignore all of that because it doesn't help. <sighs> what to say, really? I'm just sluggish and not wanting to do anything. I've got a campaign to build. My players, I don't know, just a perpetual bombardment of questions, really. <laughs> the introvert in me really wonders why I bother. Um, really wonders. Of course, when I get to the table, you know, I love rolling dice and having fun. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I just need to go and do something.
Right, it's Monday afternoon. I've just been spending um, an hour or so finishing off the hex map and I've kind of created a black and white um, version for the players. Several of my players would like to have a player facing hex map this time out. So I've created a kind of black and white old style map for them, um, which is very incomplete. It only has like the core area where they they start. And then I populated my map with about 45 static locations. At the moment, all they are is a point on the map and they're kind of classified into types like a dungeon or a monster lair or a monument or a ruin, that kind of thing. About 15 of the 16 of those or so are, you know, civilized uh, places of the human and demi-human races. Most of them are bastion keeps in the kingdom of Whitegrave on the outskirts of that side of the mountain range, really. Um, and then all the other places are places of potential adventure. And it's kind of first step in my building of the of the hex map. So, yeah, some work done. I've got to go now and you know decide which dungeon and which lair and whatever is going on each of those things. Do a short paragraph for each in my core notes, um, and for that I'm just going to raid through various dungeons that I own. I'm going to like create, you know, use either maps and reskin them and reuse them, or even whole adventures just nick them. Uh, we'll see. So I know of two I'm going to put in there, um, but actually the rest of that I've got to go sort of spend some time digging through. So I think what I'll do is just systematically over the next few days work through each location and decide what it is. Um, that puts me in a good place though but after doing that I'm a wee bit tired so I'm going to chill the only other thing I know I need to do over the next few days is I really need to start digging into the Carlson Crusades rule books in more detail just noticed on Twitter Sly Flourish has done a blog post on like reading a and d books and it kind of nudges me that I also need to read my CNC books really so yeah it's, I mean not in like a depth thing but it's like constant going back to the books looking through them digging stuff out I did a bit of this yesterday. I had a look at Monsters and Treasure in more detail and a few things from the Castle Keeper's Guide. And they're good books, you know, so I want to make sure that I'm doing that. But I think more than anything, I need to look at the player's handbook because I'm the least familiar with player classes, for example. Um, and whilst I do expect my players to know their shizzle, I kind of feel like as GM I need to have at least a rough idea too. Anyway, that's where I'm up to. Um, and I'm going to call it a day for today, I think. I might read, but other than that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chill. Game on. So, a bit of a kicker of a day. It's uh, Tuesday. Spent about an hour, an hour and a half maybe this morning doing some work on the campaign. Been uh, Spent a day with Deb. Um, went to see Shazam at movies, which was really good. I'm just sitting down at Shazam, and I get a message from one of the guys on the Friday Night Gamers who's basically quitting the group. I'm not going into why, but it's a bit of a kicker. Honestly, I'm just going to let him go. But it does mean we're down to two players, and that means, I don't know, I just don't know if I can keep this group alive. Been thinking about it a lot um, this afternoon, talked to Deb about it a lot actually this afternoon, which is kind of a bit unfair given it's our day off together. What I've just done is I've just put something new into the universe, so I just went on to the East Midlands Room Masters group and I've put out a general open call, anyone interested in playing a RuneQuest game on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. I kind of think that, you know, if I can't make a D&D &D group or D&D-like group work, then maybe I can make a RuneQuest group work. 
the definite thing I've come to the conclusion is I'm done trying to accommodate other people's taste. In the end, I think I'm just going to run the games I want to run and put the offer out there. If people want to come play, great. If they don't, no skin off my nose because honestly, every time I try and accommodate, it seems to kill what I'm doing. And uh, in the end, all I need is people who are committed to gaming. I was reading um, Alexander McCree's book a few days ago, and one of the things that have really come to mind in the last few days is an idea in there that role-playing groups are a bit more like a team sport than they are like uh, going to a dinner party. The idea is that you're expected to commit to a team, and you're expected to turn up to the matches and take part. And I kind of think that's what role-playing groups are like, or should be like. That if you commit to a game, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever it's going to be, then you make a damn good effort to be there. And if you can't be there, that's fine. There are times when we all can't be there. But the thing is, this is great coming from the flaky GM, but you know what? The worst thing, the thing that kills me as GM and kills my games consistently, flaky gamers. Just as bad as me. And it's time to end that. So I'm committing to what I'm doing and I expect my players to commit to what they're doing. Can you tell I'm a bit miffed? <laughs> I guess I'm a bit miffed. It's Wednesday, the day before my birthday, and uh, it feels like some weird karmic stuff going on. So yesterday I lost a player. Permanently. Yesterday I also got a communication from another old player who now the first player is leaving. is kind of thinking they want to come back. Karma. Looks like fantasy gaming is sort of, I don't know, dead for a while. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. I spent today with my wife out and about. We uh, went over to um, Newstead Abbey and North Tinghamshire and sort of took some photographs. It's not very far from where we live and it's a really nice day. While we were wandering around, Deb says to me that, you know, she says, if you need me to help make up the numbers and... If you're not playing d and I'd be quite happy to come and play. Dad hasn't played for a long while. So that was a good thing. I don't know whether that'll happen, but it was a nice sign. And when I add to that communication from one or two other people as well, it's kind of cool. So I'm sitting down this afternoon, and I've dug out the Traveller starter set. The Mongoose Traveller Star Set, and I'm reading Book 3, The Fall of Tineth, because I think that on the 3rd of May, which is really our next games night, I'm going to perhaps just run through the starter set with the guys, play some Traveller, and I have two things in my mind right now. One is that I'd really quite like to play a Traveller campaign, and well, maybe this is the opportunity. And I have several ideas there. But the other is that maybe it would be good to just play some, you know, different one-shots, really. Um, I don't mean one-shot in the sense of necessarily one session only. I just mean play an adventure then play maybe another adventure of something else. There are a lot of games in my room. A lot of games around, generally, that I'd love to play. And... That could be a fun structure, I don't know. But what is clearly the case is that I need to like park 
all of my pretensions at world building right now. And just be a gamer. Quick update, it's the day after my birthday, now I'm 48, hooray. Um, we're back at home, have been away for a couple of days and did a bit of walking up in the Leicestershire countryside. Went to a spa for the evening, had a really posh meal out and basically a night away in a hotel down Leicester way, which is probably about an hour or so's drive from Nottingham. So I know that's not a million miles, but it was really nice for Deb and I to get away and to get some space and pers perspective more than anything, which is really, really good. So I'm back and tonight um, Andy's popping around for a bit of a chin wag and perhaps a bit of a game. Um, Ian can't make it, um, but we'll be back kind of to the table in a couple of weeks time. And in the meantime, what I'm doing is prepping some Traveller. So I've been looking at the uh, Fall of Tinath scenario, which is from the Traveller, it's Mongoose Traveller we're talking about here, but the Traveller starter set. And aside from horrendous typos and some, yeah, there are some things in there that really bug me in terms of the production work, in terms of like, they could have done better checks, I suppose, in editing work. But hey, let's pull that aside because it's not important. The actual material looks kind of interesting. Um, got this kind of setting which is not really part of the third Imperium setting, but could be. <laughs> uh, it's kind of one of those distant provinces, or could it be its own thing? Um, and I think there are three or four scenarios, I think it's four in total scenarios in there that you can run through. So I'm thinking of running my group through those scenarios, or at least one of them, in a fortnight. Another thing that's been going through my mind is we've got the incoming uh, Savage Worlds Adventure Edition is incoming, and it's quite now there's a Kickstarter going for the Rifts, uh, expanding the Rift stuff for Savage Worlds. And if you know me, you know I'm a big fan of Palladium Worlds, so doing Rifts. With Savage Worlds sounds like a lot of fun, um, so I'm really buying into that and kind of thinking I really enjoyed Savage Worlds when we played it recently, and uh, I just kind of went back, I backpedaled into what I was comfortable with with OSL stuff. So I don't know, I'm gonna play around with that as well. And I'm thinking I'm really starting to think that my Friday night games need to just be a bunch of one shots for a while. Um, I know I've talked about this before, and I know I keep sort of it's like I feel like I'm circling the drain really, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I keep. Keep coming back to this idea, don't I? Of uh, just play some one shots for a while. Of course, I never can do that before I run into a campaign. But there you go. So anyway, that's an update. That's what I'm up to. Um, and I'm back to school on Tuesday, so still got like the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, to chill out with Deb and to do some hobby and start recording series three. Um, so yeah, should be good. Um, but I just wanted to give you an update positive conversation last night with Andy we started to we talked a lot actually about D&D &D, and then we got on to planning this RuneQuest Glorantha game and we kind of caught, caught, come up with a bit of a plan really I suppose for uh, June to do a bi-weekly game um, in Nottingham and we're going to try and hire out a table at the Dice Cup and see who we can get to a table really and let's kind of try and go for a bi-weekly game through to the summer so it's us really through June and July and then see what we're up to, which, you know, feel okay about. Oh, but blimey, I've got to kind of read for RuneQuest and get my head around it and, um, you know, you try and invent a game, I guess. Um, I guess one of the big problems is I can't really use the stuff that's already written because all of the players of, of, who might come from the East Midlands Runemasters are 
going to have played all those things. They have probably played them several times over, in fact. And so um, I am needing to create something uh, of my own uh, within that world. So that's a new experience for me. I've not done that in a very long while. So positive, hopeful, nervous. <laughs> That's how I feel about that. Other than that, in other news, um, I've got to have uh, about half today. My wife's out with some friends this afternoon and evening, so I shall have about half a day to myself, which I will probably need to start doing some podcast recording for the next series. But I might get around to doing some gaming as well. And then, of course, it's Easter Sunday and Easter Monday, which will be you know, chill-out time, hopefully. Uh, traditional for us to have turkey on, on Easter Sunday, which I'll get to cook, and uh, we go from there and back to work on Tuesday. So holiday's coming to a close, I guess. But I'm feeling more positive than I did, you know, a week ago, so that's really, really good. And, um, yeah, looking forward to perhaps getting some things back to the table. Tuesday morning... First day back at work, back at school, looking out uh, across the school field, a beautiful spring morning, uh, day after Easter Monday, and it's beautiful out there, about 9, 10 degrees, going to be probably 20 degrees again by the end of the day, 20, 25 degrees, kind of unusual for um, April. Anyway, had some thoughts on the way in this morning, um, been obviously thinking about the school gaming group, which is in a lull for the next two weeks because... I've got various other school commitments on the Tuesday night. Been really worried about it because up until now, the game has kind of nicely mirrored what's been going on on Fridays, which has been unusual in a way. And I don't know why I'm worried about it because for many years I ran both of those groups completely separately and independently of each other. But because I started playing games using the same system in the same world and the Friday guys have kind of um, at least tripped up in that world. Um, and obviously I had this desire to sort of move away from that um, in the early part of the holiday. The reality is that the Friday guys are um, going to do something different. And there's a big part of me that just kind of is now questioning whether I should continue doing what I'm doing on Tuesday, which is bizarre in a way. What I have realised is that I don't really want to leave Mr. Mir, which I've been working on now for about three years, maybe a little longer, five years, maybe even 2014, I'm not sure. But certainly three years since 2016, and there's a lot of work going into that world. <laughs> and it's had many false dawns, but I don't know, I feel like I want to tweak it, bring it back to the table. Um, run it in a little bit more open, I guess. Um, so I don't know, but I've got two weeks to sort of get my, my head together, so that's a good thing. <laughs> I was listening to Jason Hobbs talk about Carmata and West March's approach. Um, I was listening and thinking about um, the Alexandrian stuff on open gaming tables and the stuff that I've been talking about um, about January this year and how I sort of drifted away from that model um, back into a model where the guys come and play. There's a group that's fairly established and they come and play in the campaign because the sessions are so incredibly short 
Um, the idea of sort of going out and coming back in one session is not very practical. And so it tends to be a sort of series of linked forays. Um, and that's okay if you've got a stable game group. So I'm playing it quite flexibly, I think. I sort of, I think it does damage immersion a little bit when you can't really have, you have players beaming in and out, if you like, and you can't really have um, very long sessions. But the guys are enjoying themselves, and they have been enjoying themselves, and despite the last session being the doom court, <laughs> um, I kind of want to come back to it, so I don't know. I'm going to have to give it some thought. Indecisive web story. That's it for another GM's Journal episode. As always, please let me know what you think and drop me an anchor voice message to share your response. My goal is to create a community of discovery about role-playing games in which you can feel accepted, whether as a player or as a game master. Come and join the conversation. In the meantime, all that's left is to wish you a fond farewell and all the best at your gaming table. My name is Che Webster, and this has been a Roleplay Rescue GM's Journal episode. See you again on the flip side. Game on.